You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating with Rachel Heinemann. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and certified eating disorder specialist. On this weekly podcast, we talk about all things psychoanalysis and eating disorder recovery. It's a combination of interviews with experts in psychoanalysis and eating disorders and some solo episodes where it will just be the two of us. The goal of the podcast is to help you try to understand a little bit more about yourself, gain a deeper understanding for why you do the things you do, and bring you one step closer to a healthier relationship with food and yourself. All right, here we go for episode 77. Now, part of what I'm trying to do this time around, this time around, meaning 2023, after we had a bit of a break, is bring you conversations that either are pretty foundational. So providing some information that is imperative if you're on this journey toward healing your relationship with food and yourself, but also to have the conversations that I wish everybody was having or at least I wish we were having more of these conversations. So not entirely controversial, although some of them are, and you know, (laughs) those are my favorite, but just bringing to the table something that is not often talked about or not talked about enough or not talked about it in the way that I think is, could be even more helpful. So what I'm asking from you is that if you're listening to some of these episodes let's just say today's episode and it resonates with you or it really pisses you off or you have any reaction, share it with someone, share it with a friend, with a family member, talk about your thoughts, reach out to me, let me know. The bottom line is, is what I'm hoping for is that we can have these episodes as the beginning point of our conversations and that it doesn't just end when the episode ends, but that's where you guys jump in. That's where the world begins to talk. So today's episode is talking about how to accept your body when you don't really like your body. And this is a kind of question that I've been getting so often. And the reason why I haven't jumped on it the first few times it came in is mostly because there is no answer. So if somebody tells you, okay, so you have terrible body image, here are the five things to do, and then you will have good body image. I'm sorry, they're just full of it. There's no magic pill. There's no one idea or five ideas that are going to cure your body image. And the same goes for this podcast episode. There is nothing that I'm going to say that is going to revolutionize your body image. I'm hoping that it can begin to allow your brain to think about this a little differently, to integrate some of the tips that I'm sharing. But... The point is that nothing that I'm going to say and nothing that anybody else is going to say is going to fix your body image. The biggest piece of body image work is when a lot of the information that perhaps is out there, but a lot of that information needs to resonate with you. That's like this like aha moment that we have. It needs to click. And then it continues to need to click. So I can have all these insights about you And you can read so many blogs and listen to a million podcasts and gather all the information and it really wouldn't work. A lot of body image is shifting fundamental mindset beliefs or whatever you want to call them, is changing the way that you interact with the world. And that means your expectations for the world. Part of the way that we enter this world is 
hopefully with a clean slate, and we just sort of integrate whatever we experience in the world into our perception of what is supposed to happen in life. And I would like to think that we have pretty high expectations for life originally, and that we tend to see the world as super optimistic with all these opportunities. And I think what's what's a really big problem with that is that we get a lot of that a lot of those messages from sources that are not necessarily the most reliable. So what do I mean? If we grew up with a lot of TV and movies and now influencer culture, whatever you want to call it, social media, a lot of that stuff that we see isn't real. And you and I both know that, especially as adults, we know that, but it's really hard to integrate that into our deepest desires. And if you think about us consuming all that information as children, it's almost impossible to discern what's real and what's not. So even taking us back just to just a couple of years, if you grew up on something like Clueless, the movie, that really old movie, even though now we can look back and say, oh my God, that's totally unreasonable. All of it is not normal. And, and when I say normal, it's not an average experience for a person the materialism, the bodies really, and the expectations for what the world has for you. I think it's really hard as a kid or a teenager to watch that and say, oh yeah, I might not get all that stuff in my life and my life might not look like that. Or if there are tons of movies you're watching as a high school kid about college and then you go to college and it's nothing like that. Or I don't know, you go to a college and you, it's a city college. You live at home. You don't go to the dorms. There's no such thing as these parties. Like that doesn't exist, then it's really hard to then differentiate what is real for your life. And the same goes for social media. And I think this is a lot more prevalent for kids these days is that when we go on social media, yes, we know a hundred times over that filters are filters and that influencers really only show their best life, their best foot forward. And who knows what happens off camera? Who knows if they're actually eating the food they're promoting? Who knows what they look like on a Sunday when they're not getting dressed up or when the filter is off or what their mood is like or their relationships? We don't know. But all we're seeing is perfect. So it's really hard to say, oh, my life isn't like that and neither is theirs. It's so much harder to do than to even if we can admit it to ourselves. I say all of this because life in general, uh, I don't want to see bleak, seem bleak, but <laughs> never meets our expectations. Life just isn't like that. It's not perfect and it's not even near perfect. So when we have these expectations for the type of body we're supposed to have and the type of life we're supposed to have, the type of stuff we're supposed to have, relationships we're supposed to have, none of that is actually attainable. So, okay, you might say, yeah, well, it is attainable because I know this person who has it and I know that behind closed doors, she really actually does have it. I'm not saying that it's not attainable, period. It's attainable at a cost. So if we're pursuing this perfect body, assuming that your body has the capacity to do so, which I would say a large percentage of people cannot do, it comes at a cost. And the question is, is that something that you're willing to pay? So. If you're engaging in severe restriction in order to make your body smaller, and there's a lot of mental and physical anguish and pain attached to that, because that's what restriction does to our body, see previous episodes on all of this, 
the obsessions. It's terrible. It's awful and it's gut-wrenching. And that's why people go for eating disorder treatment. So if we're talking about that's what you look like on the outside, social media, or these actors look like that on movies and TV shows, we have no idea what's going on in their head. And chances are, if you've tried that, we do know what's going on, what's going on in your head. And that is pretty terrible. So the question is, do you want to attain that perfect body? Again, assuming that you can, most of you cannot. Are you willing to pay the price of hmm, giving up your mind and your mental state and your happiness and your relationships? And I can go on and on. So the question really is, how much are you willing to give up in order to get that body? And I think the same goes for the other way around. How much are you willing to give up for your happiness? Or I like to use the word contentness. Did I make that up? I don't know. Feeling content. It's not about attaining this happiness or joy. That's a really fun experience when you can feel those things. But content is the kind of thing where you wake up in the morning and you're good. You're not like ecstatic about the day. You're not miserable about about the day. You're just like, oh, okay, this is my life. You get to work and you're like, oh, this is my life. Maybe you don't even think about it. And the question is, how bad do you want that? What sort of price are you willing to pay? And for a lot of people, that part of the price is an imperfect body or what society would call an imperfect body. So this is all this major tangential conversation about the idea that If we're trying to work toward a perfect body, then we have a lot to lose. And are you willing personally to give up on basically everything else to attain that body? I don't know. I don't know the question. But the question of how do I accept my body if it's a lot larger than I want it to be is, well, this is a deliberate decision about how I want to navigate this world. What's important to me? What are my values? Do I want to feel content? Do I want my mind to be free of food obsessions? or hating myself, or anything that eating disorders bring you, or or any level of disordered eating, then at the very least, this is a worthwhile goal for me to work toward accepting my body. And I think what, what happens so often with body image stuff is that we're so ambivalent. It's like, yes, I want to accept my body just because I don't want to think about it anymore. And I hate feeling this way, but I also want to shrink it at the same time. And that's where we have this sort of tug of war. And I have this visual of, you know, those like old games that we used to play with the, is it called tug of war? This large rope and you have two sides of the team and both of them are pulling and whichever one is stronger wins. But what if they're both just as strong? Do you stay there forever? Well, I mean, I guess not in this metaphor, but that's sort of what keeps you stuck is that you want to shrink your body and that's really important to you, but you also want to accept your body because you don't want to feel this way anymore. So I think the first step with a lot of this is thinking about what's worth it to you. What do you want to do? What's meaningful to you? And what's the end goal for you? Which one is more important, really, if we're going to be frank about it? Now, in terms of specific tips about body image, you can see some of the other episodes that we've done. This one is not so much about like, what do I do? What do I think? Or more specifically, what are the tips that I need for better body image? Because like I said, none of that is actually going to change your body, but it's more so thinking about this in a much more deep way and your thoughts on life in general, if we're going to get that deep. The next thing that I'm going to say is, you know, once you decide that this is a worthwhile uh, goal of yours, then to think about body image as so much more than just your body. Think about the days that you have really bad body image. And 
I'm specifically talking to you, the listener, as somebody who has worked through a lot of eating disorder stuff. So you're not actively restricting, binging, purging, excessive exercising. You're not currently in that state. Or if you are, it's not all the time because poor body image and eating disorder symptoms can just be like, it's just terrible all day, every day. And it's really hard to untangle that. I'm thinking about when you have a pretty bad body image day and there are other days that you really don't have a poor body image day. It's not that you love your body on the other days. It's just that you don't think about it as much. And so for those days, those like pretty bad body image days, try thinking about other things that are going on. What else happened today, yesterday, this week? What is going on with your relationships, with the circumstances in your life? What else could possibly be upsetting you? And I'm not saying that they're directly related. I'm saying that body image never happens in a vacuum. So it's not just about, I feel bloated today, or I ate what felt like too much yesterday. That's not the case. And it's never, ever, ever the case. Guys, it's never the case. It just never is. So think about other things that are going on. And then think about this question. Would changing anything else help my situation? So (laughs) I'm thinking about a conversation I had with a client a couple of years ago about she was having a really, really terrible body image day. And she's like, you know, I don't really know why this popped into my head, but I was thinking that if I had a lot more money, like I was rich, then my body image wouldn't matter to me so much. And obviously there's a lot to unpack in that statement. So we really had to dive deep into what that means and how can that possibly relate to her body image. And of course, trying to figure out what a certain body type and having a certain amount of money would symbolize to this particular person. But the question is, is there something else that pops into your mind that might be um, not sufficient to get rid of your poor body image, but like really, really help it? And that's a really good jumping point or starting point for you to try to see what your mind attaches to body image and what it would afford to you. So if we think about the world has marketed this specific body type to making you believe that having a certain body will make you happy, will you know, make you popular, will make you responsible, not lazy, will make you feel like you have confidence. I mean, there are endless possibilities about what you've attached to a specific body type. And of course, we haven't been helped by marketing. But the question is, what does it symbolize or what does it mean specifically for you? So if we think about poor body image, it's basically a classic case of the grass is greener on the other side. I'm not happy with what I have now. I'm going to be happy if I lose X amount of weight and then it's going to be better. First of all, it's usually not better. I would say 100% of the time it's not better, but I want to leave you know some sort of margin of error here. But the idea is the grass is not greener on the other side. So what are you looking for? And how can you assume the responsibility for that without waiting for your body to change or something else? To make this magic happen, you need to put yourself in the driver's seat. And maybe the question is, well, what's at stake if I take responsibility for my life? If I don't assume this role of a victim, if I truly tell myself, like, I really need to do this for myself. No one is going to do it for me. How is that potentially threatening or scary to you? These are all really big questions to ask yourself. And I'm not expecting you to have the answers for yourself today, but they're really good questions to start to think about. So besides for thinking about the question of what else would help myself 
change the situation? Meaning like what would help me feel better about my body image? If there is something that sticks out in your mind or what else is going on on the day or around the day of your poor body image, we can think about themes of taking up space. I mean this literally and metaphorically, what is it like for you to exist in this world for you to take up space, take up more space? What is it like for you to have needs for you to have desire all of those things. And very often poor body image comes along with this tremendous feeling of disgust and guilt and shame. And part of the question is like, how do you respond to any of those really, really uncomfortable emotions? Because ultimately we live in a world that is, again, not to sound so bleak, but (laughs) inherently disappointing. There are so many encounters with people and with situations and with ourselves that that's disappointing. And so many other negative emotions, we feel anger, we feel guilt, we feel shame on a regular basis. Now, the question is, how do we interact with our own emotional experience? Do we feel that we have the capacity to experience guilt? And a big one is shame. Do we feel like we have the capacity to feel shame? For so many people, shame is not even a feeling that you can access. I mean, Bernie Brown talks about shame and vulnerability a lot. But I think what's significant about shame in this conversation is that for a lot of you who are listening, it's really probable that there are many times you're feeling shame and you're not even aware of it. So the question is, what is it about shame? What is it about all of these other experiences that are pretty averse to you, that are intolerable, that you'd probably do anything in order to avoid it? And what would it be like to experience it even just in a small amount? What would it feel like if you had to feel guilt, shame? And I mean, attached to real things and not the body image, not a real thing. It's obviously a real thing, but attached to, uh, I guess, other things. The point of accepting your body and working toward a more positive body image, or at least some sort of neutral body image is to be able to tolerate really uncomfortable emotions, to be able to tolerate disappointments, even going back to the first part of our conversation that life is not like a movie and you don't get everything and you're not going to get anywhere near everything. What is it like to tolerate this fundamental disappointment? What is it like to feel regret? What is it like to feel shame? And can you tolerate that? Once you can, that to me is you're working toward accepting your body. And until we can make space for really uncomfortable, if not intolerable emotions, I really don't think that any of you have a chance. So like I said in the beginning, If this podcast episode resonated with you, if I said something that you liked or that you didn't like or completely pissed you off, or you think that I'm 100% wrong, send it out, share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues, share it with somebody who might have either the same opinion as you or a different opinion. Start the conversation, continue the conversation. Bring me into your email chain, tag me on Instagram. Let's do this. Let's talk about this stuff. You made it to the end. Thank you for listening. Every single one of your downloads means so much to me. If this conversation is leaving you wanting more, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You'll have the opportunity to reply back directly to me over there. Can't wait to see you in your inbox.